let's start the record. Okay, we are on record. Rob, thank you for joining us on the HBO podcast. Hey, can you, uh, for those that aren't aware of your sort of particular background, can you give us just a brief, uh, maybe five-minute intro, intro to who you are, and then we'll get into more detail, I think. For sure. And, and first of all, uh, Zach and Sean, thanks for having me on. Um, my background is um, as a dermatitis, psoriasis, eczema, and rosacea sufferer for most of my life. Um, I had the predisposition for skin issues um, genetically, and my lifestyle as a young adult uh, turned it on big time. In my early 20s, I was covered most of my body with eczema, dermatitis, psoriasis. It was really, really bad. Um, long story short, I turned to you know, the good old-fashioned high-carb, low-fat, vegan approach to cleanse the toxins out of my body and to reach a hopefully place of health. Um, I was able to heal my skin on a vegan approach, a whole food vegan approach. But then let's fast forward eight years into the diet, um, suffering from a lot of bad health, teeth falling apart, hormones going to crap. Um, brain fog, all of the very typical malnourishment side effects from the diet. Um, about a year and a half ago, made the switch to uh, a high-fat, animal-focused, carnivore-style diet and put on 35 pounds, replaced my hormones beautifully, grew my teeth back without having to go to a dentist, um, and have basically revolutionized my whole approach. Um, kind of catty corner to my own personal story. Um, I've been working with the eczema community for eight years, helping them with their skin. So um, switching my whole approach up, having a, a huge come to Jesus moment, if you will, about my own health, and then sharing it with my community has been a, a pretty interesting ride over the last year and a half, but it's been really awesome. And that's kind of my story in a nutshell. Well, that's a pretty interesting story. So what do you do for a living, by the way? I work with people full time. Um, I'm a, my background is in um, yoga therapy, crisis intervention specialist, um, behavioral science and psychology. So I, I take a very um, lifestyle and behavioral science approach working with people to help them gain the habits um, to, to heal their skin. And I do that full time. I've been doing that for about six years now. What was the, uh, so, I mean, you know, as you've kind of come to a very different uh, dietary strategy than, than most people would recommend, obviously I'm in this space and I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with it, but most people would, would consider this to be almost complete heresy to think that, you know, eating, you know, the evil meat <laughs> yeah. is, is going to somehow provide health benefits. So how did you, how did you, how did you, sort of your thinking changed uh, to, to, to get to, to where you are now? That's, that's a good question. And, and I think for me, it's a two-part answer. One, a lot of people do think this carnivore diet is extreme. It's extremism. Um, and I, honestly, I, I, I can see where they're coming from compared to standard American diet, common sense thinking, um, the typical Western nutrition pathology approach that is so silly. Um, so I can see from that standpoint why someone would think that, but I conversely think it's, it's the opposite. It's a very conservative approach. It's an approach that 
provides the body with the most bioavailable food on the planet, avoids um, possible trigger foods for the gut and the immune system, and tastes pretty damn good and it's easy to source. So in my opinion, it's more of a conservative approach, but I, I understand where people are coming from. For me, um, I was lucky because I didn't become vegan because of um, my morality or my spiritual approach or my belief system. I became vegan because I believed through the research that I was reading and the people that I was following on blogs and, and you know, YouTube and Instagram, um, the vegan approach seemed to be working um, for health. And so um, that's why I became vegan. So as my health got better on the vegan diet, I said, this is great. This is wonderful. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to refine it and make it as good as possible. Once it hit, hit its plateau and my health started going the opposite direction, um, I found it very easy to be black and white, figure out what I needed to do to refine my diet and my lifestyle to give my body, my brain, my emotions, my hormones, what they needed. Um, and so I, I found it pretty easy to make the drastic switch. I knew exactly what I needed. I needed food that would nourish me, that would build me, and I needed to stop eating uh, a diet that was so catabolic in nature. Um, so for me, it, it was um, more scary on the, how do I explain this pivot to the population that I'm helping and to my community rather than my own um, morality around eating animals. So, I mean, back to this, you know, cause we, and I've seen this, you know, quite a few times now where we have somebody that, you know, and they want to do the right thing and they believe they're doing the right thing and they switch to maybe a plant-based strategy. And, you know, and, and often with that, it comes cutting out junk food, basically. And, you know, you're not eating a bunch of sugar and maybe not eating a lot of seed oil and you're maybe cutting out some people gluten and some people it's dairy and soy or whatever. But what has been your experience having sort of dealt with people doing that versus what you're doing now? Is there a difference in the, the, the success rate? I mean, surely you, you probably saw some successes with regard to skin uh, with, with a, a plant-based approach, omitting those other things, but is there any qualitative or quantitative difference in, uh, the two strategies based on what you've observed so far? Yeah, big time. The, the main one comes into play with the long-term success. So I had a lot of success early on working with people, teaching them how to cleanse and detox. And basically, like you said, uh, avoid the most dangerous foods and eat foods that on paper might be a lot better. Um, so we had a big win there. Um, what I saw and what led to my own transformation was helping people, having their skin get healthy, helping them figure their lives out. Then I don't hear from them. Two, three years later, I, I get the email, Rob, my skin's falling apart. My health is falling apart. Um, so long-term, what I'm seeing now is the people who I started with a long time ago, eating animal foods, have maintained their health and their healthy skin. Um, the people that were vegan have come back to me um, who have healed and now have come back to me and now we have to reestablish everything, add the animal foods, take away the trigger foods, the anti-nutrient rich foods. Um, so as far as a long-term approach, it's just way better. Um, it, it, there's no comparison at all. On the short term, what I'm seeing is pretty drastic as well. Typically when someone goes on a cleansing slash detoxing vegan approach to heal their body, you see their body go into a place of 
starts to lose weight. Um, the muscle distribution starts to change. Um, the neck, the shoulders, the traps, the jawline um, starts to kind of thin out. Um, the lower belly, generally with the vegan, starts to have a little bit of a fermentation pocket or a little poochy thing. Um, and, and I don't want to go so far as to say that it, you become that dreaded skinny fat, but it starts to move in that direction for most people compared to where they could be. Um, now compare that to a carnivore diet with, with my clients in generally what you see is a lot more muscularity, uh, a lot more body structure, um, and a huge, huge difference in where people are carrying their weight. You see a flat stomach, no inflammation, and you see in men, um, kind of the androgen receptors showing back up the, the delts, the traps, the jaw muscles, um, all kind of like being where they need to be. For me, I mean, it was night and day. As a vegan, I was 165 pounds um, on, on a good day. You know, that was my thick, muscular, heavy, sustainable weight. Um, right now, I'm sitting at about 185 pounds, and that's my new easy weight to maintain. Um, and I'm probably eating less calories as a carnivore, but maintaining a lot more body weight. So um, besides the, the long-term effect of it and to the short-term obvious effects, the teeth and the digestion and the brain, those are the most obvious things that turn back on with people. You're, you're, I mean, by, by admission, you, you sort of focus on skin, whether it's psoriasis, eczema, or any other number of dermatologic conditions, seborrheic keratosis, and you know, there's, there's literally thousands of skin conditions out there. Many of them probably share a, probably a common etiology would be my guess. But um, what have you seen with regard to the efficacy of a carnivore-based diet on those particular conditions? Um, you know, what I've seen across the board, and this is something I've been preaching forever, is that uh, everything you mentioned from a topic dermatitis to psoriasis, it's not a skin issue. It's an immune response issue. It's a gut and digestion issue. Um, so I think it's pretty obvious that when you eat a diet that allows you to digest and assimilate food with absolute ease, um, you eat a diet that causes no inflammation and that can help your body rid the extra inflammation. Um, when you eat a diet that allows you to not pass through your body pounds and pounds of undigestible fiber on a daily basis, um, what you see is the skin conditions start to heal a lot faster because the digestion in the gut are healing at such a faster rate. And the inflammation is cut down so much, such a drastic fashion that you see it in the skin as well. So as far as how it affects the skin, it is by far the best diet I've come across. And I've been in the skin health game for a long time, a really long time. It's been my focus forever. Um, and this is by far if I was to have skin disease and start over again, I would go very strict carnivore and then I'd refine from there because it just makes it so simple. Rob, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but have you, with all the people you work with, found any kind of trends of specific foods or ingredients that tend to exasperate skin problems? And then on the other end of that, are there ones that are like been established trends for you? That like these are the types of foods that are going to kind of help get you to the where you want to be from a skin standpoint? 
Yeah, yeah. Actually, it's it's funny you ask. In the past month, I've put out a video um, with, that explained the worst foods to eat, the best foods to eat, and then a, a kind of 20 staple foods. As far as the worst foods to eat, it's going to be your traditional, you know, nothing out of the blue, seed oils, um, processed food, grains, processed sugar. Um, for me and for my community, nuts and seeds tend to be a huge problem. Um, nightshades, oscillate-rich foods. So most of your plant foods aren't going to work. In the plant kingdom, maybe berries for people, maybe things like pears, um, very low glycemic, simple to digest fruits. Um, but generally, I'm having people focus more on animal foods. I like um, egg yolks, raw egg yolks, eggs, pastured eggs, um, beef, obviously, um, salmon. And then I get into some of the nuance, like um, some fermented, maybe some high meats, um, the organ meats, um, liver especially. Um, and and I'm, I'm having people focusing on, on the most bioavailable, you know, easily to digest foods, which in my opinion are the, are the fatty cuts of meat, um, the omega rich salmon, uh, egg yolks and eggs. And then for those who can tolerate it, um, if you can tolerate the goat butter, um, and some goat yogurt, that can be magical for people that have skin issues. So you kind of touched on my follow-up question as well, and I was going to ask you if you've noticed any variance when people treat the preparation of their food in a different way. And, you know, it's something I've been getting more and more interested in because we had uh, uh, Dr. Bill Schindler on the, on the show, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with his work, but he's, he's kind of went out and more or less uh, observed and and studied a lot of these indigenous tribes who are eating in a way that is more traditional in nature. And uh, he's, he's kind of got an interesting view of food in general, where he says that like the way you prepare it can make something that's incredibly toxic or even poisonous all of a sudden liberated as a nutrient source for humans. And that's kind of what makes humans humans. So I'm kind of curious if you, you were talking about like the fermentation, have you had any people who, didn't necessarily revamp their diet from a, a food source side of things as much as just change the way they've prepared it and seen results? Um, you know, not, not to a huge extent, but uh, with certain people, um, the devil is definitely in the details. So if, if I'm someone who is really suffering from a skin disease and I'm doing all of these deep dietary interventions, I've gone carnivore, I'm doing all the lifestyle stuff, but it's just still not budging. For those people, when you get into, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a, a certain percentage of my diet now raw. I'm gonna have a certain percentage of my diet fermented. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna choose to prepare or with meal timing or even with a spiritual approach, you know, having intention behind when you eat and how you eat. Those little details can put things over the top. Um, the two out of those that I think might have the most bang for your buck, fermentation and eating raw. Now, I'm not one of those people who thinks that the only way you can heal on a diet that's carnivore is to, you know, be eating pounds and pounds of bloody raw meat and nothing else. Um, I'm not there yet. <laughs> but um, I, I have seen that when people take a certain amount of their food, have some raw salmon here and there, have some raw beef here and there have some raw egg yolks that it definitely does something. And I think for me, just on an anecdotal level, 
when I pop a raw egg, which I do somewhere between three and seven times a day, um, or when I eat raw liver, I feel really lifted. My brain turns on. I just feel really good. And I'm, I'm a, both a, a science and evidence-based person, but I'm also a, the proof is in the how I feel person. Um, and, and man, a little bit of raw goes a long way for me. Let me, uh, you, you mentioned something about inflammation. And if we listen to the, um, what I think most people consider the ultimate source of actual factual nutritional information, which would be vegan documentaries, uh, we're told the meat is very inflammatory. And so how do you, you're saying that meat doesn't seem to be anti-inflammatory. What are you basing that on? Are you, are you seeing any labs that corroborate that? Are you seeing any, uh, uh, clinical signs and symptoms that inflammation is improving on, on a meat-based diet. And why do we, why do we not believe the, the vegans that saying that meat is purely inflammatory and the only way you're going to get rid of inflammation is by cutting meat out of your diet? Yeah, I, I think that if you, you can go the clinical route and you can dive into the research and you'll, you'll find some stuff. I'm not that interested in that all the time, especially with this question. I, I think the proof is in the pudding. Um, test it. Um, eat a bunch of plants for a few days and just look down at your stomach and see how it feels. Then eat nothing but beef for a few days and look down at your stomach and see how it feels. Um, the obvious inflammatory response in the GI, small, large intestine, near the colon, in the stomach even, is tremendously obvious for those who eat this diet. Um, also, I think that when you start to notice um, kind of a, a shift in how your brain feels. This is some, something no one talks about, but the biggest inflammatory marker is how you feel in your brain. Um, if you have inflammation in your elbow, well, you also have inflammation in your brain. If you have inflammation in your brain, you're not operating on the creative level that you could as a human. And so when you eat a meat-based diet and you see no inflammation happening in your stomach and your GI tract and your digestion, and you feel your brain turned on in a level of focus and concentration that you hadn't previously felt, um, I think those are awesome indicators of low inflammation. Um, beyond that, I don't know what else you'd need to convince somebody rather than obviously feeling those things. Yeah, I mean, some people would look at what would want to see serological markers, things like C-reactive protein or leukin-6, you know, things, things of that nature. And I've seen them, quite honestly. I've seen a lot of labs on people on a carnivore diet, and generally inflammatory markers are quite low, which is something I've consistently seen. Um, what has been the time frame for re resolution of different conditions uh, with, you know, like say somebody has psoriasis? How typically quickly or slowly do you see that resolve, and in what percentage of people do you tend to see that occurring. Yeah, so that's that's a probably the golden question that everyone who has skin disease wants to know. You know, I know when I was suffering 10 years ago, um, I, I wish someone could have given me a, a timeline. You start here and, and this many months in, you'll be here. The honest truth is it's really all over the place. It depends on how long the person's been suffering, what areas of the body, what diagnosis they have. So a lot of things come into play. But on average, once someone starts the right protocols and programs, you know, focusing on their diet, focusing on some cleansing and detoxification, focusing on their lifestyle and being a healthy human, um, generally takes about a year. 
Um, six months in, you can see some really drastic improvements in your overall health, biomarkers, skin should be moving in the right direction. By around the year mark, the, the skin can be pretty healed up for most people. Um, there are those outliers though on both sides. You know, I've had clients that I work with and we switch their diet up and uh, we don't even really do much other stuff. And two months in, they're totally good to go. Um, conversely, I've worked with people who have battled this thing for over two years um, and it doesn't budge at all until, you know, two years in. Um, so it, it takes time. It, it's definitely a marathon. It's not a, it's not a, <laughs> you know, it, it's not for the type of people who want a quick fix and who are looking to go see their dermatologist, get a drug, take the drug and 20 days later have clear skin. It doesn't happen that way. Um, you're looking at a hard year. Um, and, and then after that gets a lot easier. Yeah. I mean, I will just, you know, my experience, you know, just in, in discussing this with people and I've done a number of surveys in these carnivore communities, asking those people that have had things like psoriasis. And it seems like about 50% of them get a noticeable response within about a month. I mean, that may have to do with the timing of the gut permeability improving. And so they see either some improvement or dramatic improvement within a month. And then there's a, then there's a certain subset where it takes three months, six months, or even longer, like you're talking about. And so I think there is some, some benefit that occurs early on for some people. And it seems to be my, my, my guess is it's like we talked about, does the gut play a role in, you know, causing these skin issues and it, and it seems that's the case um, yeah well one thing just to just to butt in real quick one thing though you know for people out there listening who are like oh, okay well maybe popping on the carnivore diet or something very similar to it if i have eczema or dermatitis would be good um but man that's going to take forever no trust me you have to go through the process you have to go through the entire process so the sooner you start the better and there's lots of other uh, side effects that people who suffer from skin disease understand. Uh, sleepless nights from itchiness, weird um, nerve pain like restless leg syndrome, um, strange ringing in your ears, um, stenosis to the, like the 10th degree. Um, when you start to address the inflammation, those horrible symptoms go away way before the skin starts to look pretty. Um, so I, I just want to like give people uh, a push start as fast as you can, because you're going to start feeling better right away. You may not, you may not look like a supermodel right away, but who cares? You're going to feel great within, within the first month, you'll feel different 100% for sure.
That's interesting because I think a lot of times people will get hung up on an approach that takes a long time to get what their ultimate goal is. So sometimes having smaller uh, kind of benchmarks along the way can be helpful to know they're on track. And uh, you kind of mentioned a couple, but are, are there some that you kind of share with a lot of people you're working with as like, this is what you might notice sooner rather than later. And these are things that maybe clear up a little further down the road. Totally, totally. And that's a huge part of my practice and, and my approach as like a behavioral scientist is we have to have something quantifiable to get to where I can't just tell someone, okay, I'm going to work with you for three months or six months or nine months. And then someday down the line, your skin will look good. That just psychologically doesn't work. Um, what we focus on in my practice is what I call the biomarkers, which are all just the basic human things that let us know if we're doing all right. Our daily poops, um, our sex drive, morning woods, um, mental focus, creativity, general happiness, um, sleep. How did your workouts go? How motivated are you to work? How motivated are you to move your body? Um, if those biomarkers are improving um, each month, then we know the skin at some point will follow. So we set a kind of a criteria that has like two different avenues. One is we're focusing on what the solution is and checking those action items off of our list daily. Okay, check, I did the diet, check, I did the daily routine, check, I worked out, okay. That's, that's a huge, that's a huge skill set. That's a huge um, part of the program. So that, that's um, quantitative. Did you do what you had to do today? Yes. Check. Number two, how are your biomarkers at the end of the month? Okay. Sleep's doing better. Hormones are doing better, but my focus is still off. My skin itchiness is still off. Okay, cool. Two months later, biomarkers are improving. Skin, skin itchiness is now gone and now sleep is good. Okay, cool. Two more biomarkers moving in the right direction. That means we're on path. So it kind of unfolds that way for the skin. Um, so I try to make it quantitative, reach certain goals, solution oriented, um, but also having in the back of our mind, um, it's going to take a while and we have a marathon focus. Talk about, I mean, a lot of people, and, and we, I see this, I rarely watch TV, but now occasionally I'm in a hotel and there'll be a TV on it. And I mean, I will see, I mean, ads for, you know, medications, drugs for psoriasis, for eczema. Um, some of these are very quite, quite expensive. They often have pretty significant and worrisome side effects in my view, when you listen to what, what potential side effects are, they're usually immune, often immune modulating type Drugs, are you seeing people that are on those medications able to come off of those by, by using diet? For sure, yeah. And I mean, really, that's the only way to, to truly heal. Um, I, I've, I've worked with a lot of people who have tried to do both, you know, like a hybrid approach where they're working with their MD or their dermatologist and they're taking some biologics or something like Dupixent. Um, and along the lines of doing that, they're also, you know, addressing the diet. And what I see is that the diet um, will keep those people a lot more healthy, but it's not until they give up the prescription drugs and let those get out of their system um, before they can heal fully and, and have that level of success with their health and their skin that's super sustainable. Um, the drugs seriously mess everything up, but the, the diet and the lifestyle can in time, um, definitely, definitely detox your body and, and re-nourish it from, you know, from the drugs. But the drugs, 
it's like when people start to take them, you first have to overcome the skin disease. Um, and then if you're taking the drugs, you also have to overcome the drugs. So it, it becomes a, a lot more um, nuanced when people throw in the prescriptions on top of everything else. Are you, um, you know, obviously you're a guy on the internet doing this stuff and uh, uh, that, that, do you ever get any pushback or, uh, or positive or negative commentary from people in the more standard medical community? I do. I do. I, I, I've been kind of lucky in a certain way where um, I call myself like the big little channel. You know, I have, um, I've grown a lot. I have over a hundred thousand subscribers, but, um, and I, I talk about some pretty controversial topics, but knock on wood, I, I don't have a lot of tons of people coming at me with hate um, all the time. From time to time, I'll have a dermatologist kind of pop on um, and, and leave a comment. And it's about half and half. A lot of them will be like, yeah, man, you're on the right track. You know, um, approach the diet, um, do your best to heal it from the inside out. Um, and other, other kind of more closed-minded are a little threatened. I've had, um, I've been approached legally by a, a few organizations. Um, I gave a public talk in San Diego <laughs> that uh, a dermatologist went to and he, he kept interrupting and debating me during it. Um, which was which was actually pretty funny because he he ended up really helping me and proving my point. Um, um, but the kickback has been not that not that bad. Um, very isolated cases. But it, what's funny is the people who do speak out. Um, they are vicious. You know, they they go after um, the first thing they try to go after is well, who's this Yahoo? yoga therapist, behavioral scientist, you know, ex-baseball player guy who healed his own skin, who thinks he has a platform and, and can talk on the same level as a, as a doctor. Um, so they're very, they're very triggered by that and, and, and they'll go after me personally. But um, generally what I do is I'm very transparent and open. I, I have, a, I have a, a story. I, you know, I have, um, I've worked with over 900 clients and I have a ton of testimonies and a, a huge army of people that that love me because I've I've helped them with their skin and helped them get out of the prison that I've I've been in myself and I think that um, not to be too woo woo but I'm putting out good energy so I, I'm not getting too much negative energy back luckily just out of curiosity you know you said are you are you in San Diego is that where you're located no right now I'm living in Phoenix Arizona um, I, I like to travel a lot so I'm originally from San Diego um, I spent 35 years living there um, and then over the past few years I've lived in um, Manhattan New York City right on Wall Street um, and then my girlfriend and I moved to Phoenix Arizona and from Phoenix um, we like to travel to San Diego and to Nebraska, where my family's from, and to Colorado. So we, we're kind of here right now, and, and we will probably be uh, going somewhere else in six months. <laughs> we should have had you over here. I'm in Phoenix as well. Uh, a lot of similarities. Actually, my family was in Nebraska for a while too. But uh, um, yeah, San Diego's a beautiful area too. Not a bad drive from Phoenix either. No, it's a, it's a really, it's a really cool drive. And uh, recently, we, I put together, I converted a van a big, huge ProMaster 2500 high top into like a total luxury tiny home. So we travel slowly, we travel in style, and we, we love to just um, 
you know, hit the road. We're both um, entrepreneurs and, and work for ourselves. So we can, we can get out into nature and, and eat really good food and, and grill out and, and have adventures and then also get a lot of work done while we travel. So it's, it's, it's an awesome lifestyle. Yeah. I'm just, just out of curiosity, you know, you said you had a physician that was sort of opposed to what you do. Was it the nature of the opposition just because you're using diet in general or, or was he, was he specifically proposed to a different type of dietary strategy? What was it? What was the concern with the physician saying that you're doing the wrong thing? You know, it wasn't so much that I was doing the wrong thing. I think that he just felt that I was unqualified to be working with the population that I work with and, and I guess doing the work that I do, which um, maybe he thinks that I'm doing some type of nutritional diagnosis testing or something like that, which I don't even do. Um, his problem, um, the main problem that he was addressing was that and then this is the main issue that people face when they go to see a dermatologist is they don't, they don't think that the diet has anything to do with the skin. I mean, it's, it's a laugh. Um, I've been to countless dermatologists when in, in my younger years, and I've said, you know, I've read some things on the internet and, you know, I'm just a naive young guy, but maybe I should try some dietary stuff. And I can't tell you how many times I've been looked in the face like I was an idiot and, and the dermatologist stare me down and say, diet has nothing to do with the health of your skin. You will have eczema, you will have your dermatitis and your psoriasis for the rest of your life. The only thing you can do is to take these drugs that will help you with the symptoms. Um, and a lot of the old school, closed-minded people and, a, and the dermato dermatologists who are stuck in the circle of pushing drugs because that's what makes them a lot of money. They're in bed with the pharmaceutical companies. They don't want people to cure their skin. They don't, they don't believe it. They don't want it. It, it goes against their whole business model. So I, I believe that he was in that, that type of flow. He was one of those types of people. Yeah, that's kind of interesting because, I mean, I'm totally ignorant on kind of the history of skin diseases and like when they became, I guess, more prominent or if they've always been around. But if it's something that's more of a like a modern day phenomenon, at least from an increase in percentages, you would think that changing things in your environment, nutrition included, would be a pretty viable first approach when you're trying to be as non-invasive as possible. Yeah, that's what most people would think. And, and anyone who's ever tried to either be an athlete and work with their body at a high level or anyone who's had to have an intervention with their health. They know how powerful diet is. It's the most important thing. How much you sleep, your lifestyle, um, and, and the food you put in your mouth make all the difference. And, and to say otherwise, I, I can boldly say is complete ignorance. You know, it's just, it's just silly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sleep's a big one too, which I th think oftentimes gets overlooked from the nutritional angle too and affects a lot of things like you said, like performance and your ability for your body just to repair and recover from things. And so sometimes I think you, you clean up sleep, however that is done, whether you do it with diet or something else. And you see a lot of these things kind of follow after that. And uh, it, it, when I think of it, like I, I like to think of things in the context of training for sports or training for like an endurance event, which is what I do mostly. And there's usually a handful or a small handful of like big core things that when you do that right, you're most of the way there. And then if you want to get into the real nitty gritty, like incremental improvements or more invasive type things, you can do those after you've got your kind of foundational things out of the way, which 
I would think nutrition and sleep would be two of the biggest ones you could find. Yeah, I would say that three, three are stress management, sleep and diet. You know, you, you have at least a say in all of those things. Um, a lot of the other um, stressors in life and things that happen completely out of our control for the most part. But hey, we can take um, certain steps in life to, you know, reduce stress and create more joy. We can 100% eat healthy and, and we can also create an environment that helps us sleep better. And what's funny is how those three things have a, an alchemy. You know, you eat better, it's easier to sleep. You sleep better, you got more, less stress. You got less stress, uh, it's, you're in a better mood. So you're not going to turn to Dunkin' Donuts to give you that hit of crack that you're looking for. Um, so, yeah, I 100% agree, you know. And, and also, I think since we're so focused on kind of a carnivore diet um, idea, what I've seen with people when they start eating ultra clean, and I'm talking at a level that is the best that they possibly can, their sleep becomes a lot easier. But, and I've been experiencing this, I, I don't need as much. Um, I, I go to bed, if I get six, seven hours, um, I'm, I'm good to go. Um, and majority of the time, I'm having good dreams, um, very lucid. Um, waking up feeling fresh. And um, for me, an interesting thing that I, I pay attention to is if I wake up hungry, generally that means I slept really well and my body used everything. Um, and I always wake up hungry these days. Um, the past year has been um, awesome sleep-wise. You know, as your focus has been on skin – you know, probably my, 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 my sort of guess would be uh, you see other issues that may be, you know, unrelated to skin or seemingly unrelated to skin improve, you know, joint pain, digestive health. What has been your experience, you know, just kind of as, as sort of side effects of trying to manage your skin with, with a proper diet and lifestyle? Yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's an awesome question. And I think the side effects um, prove that, you know, Chinese medicine and Ayurveda might have something, something of a golden ticket with their, their main thought that all disease either starts in the brain or the gut. Um, and, and so when you address those big areas with diet and lifestyle, um, you'd be surprised at how many of these diseases and, and sicknesses and physical issues just fall off. The, the main ones that I see that happen really quickly is body composition, body fat, um, and joint inflammation, joint pain. So you, I'll take someone who is not in good health um, and, and a year into eating carnivore diet or, or something derivative of it, much more muscular, much more lean, um, much more energy, and you know things like arthritis, things like migraine headaches, things like IBS, things like uh, all your typical lifestyle and diet symptomatic human issues seem to just fall to the wayside one by one. Um, funny though, and unfortunately for the eczema crowd is that the skin disease usually ends up last. So I'll work with people and, and they're like, well, shoot, man, I came to you for skin disease, but um, my sciatic nerve issue is gone. Um, that's cool. When's my skin getting healed? I'm like, eh, you know, give it time. So I see... Not that it's some cure-all, um, but if you can do 
one thing as a human to affect the most diseases or issues in your body. Um, eating a, a diet that allows your digestion and gut health to be top-notch works really well. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, this is something uh, you talk about tweaking and, and fine tuning the diet. You know, with you know maybe maybe some people eating some of their some percentage of their meat uncooked or organ meats and things like that, raw eggs, so on and so forth. Have you been able to find that people that go on this diet and many people will consider it an elimination diet, and and I often I consider it as a tool, and then they find that they are able to add some other non-animal based foods back into the diet. Has that been something you've been able to have success with? 100%. And I think that uh, you can really use the, the details of the food as an intervention. For instance, if I have clients who tend to be more constipated, you put some raw salmon and raw eggs in them and they tend to go to the bathroom really easy. Um, And generally when, um, you, you're adding certain foods, um, you get a certain response in, in the body that happens really quickly. Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean that, 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 happens, that happens real, real fast. Um, if someone is loose, you know, a lot of people come into a, a, a carnivore diet or a keto diet and their bowels are super loose. Okay, we'll put those people on a little bit more higher protein, less fat, a tiny bit more beef and, and making sure it's seared really well. And, and that can be cleared up super fast, right away, easy. Um, uh, also, you know, a lot of times in the carnivore community, I'm, I'm trying to be a spokesman and be helpful for us to avoid the issues that I had and that they have in the vegan community where it's the, the vegan diet is this way. And if you don't do it exactly this way, you're doing it wrong and screw off. You suck by No, I think we can be a little bit uh, different than that. And I, there's no shame in you're eating a carnivore diet and you're a little constipated and, and you add a tiny bit of sauerkraut to it. And all of a sudden your digestion improves. Awesome. You know, cool. You're not a carnivore anymore. Who cares? Um, you're, you're eating a carnivore diet. You add a little bit of plant foods that are well chosen um, and they help great um, or completely eliminate them and don't use them. It's just, to me, it's what's your issue and what intervention is needed to help your issue and, and, and just use what's needed. Um, if you're a person who's just looking to be healthy and you want to eat as most well-rounded open-ended diet as you can, but you, you do need a strict diet. I do see a lot of people that I work with start carnivore and then a year into it, 
they're able to eat things like celery, celery juice, lettuce, um, pears, um, peaches, berries, um, just your kind of real basic non-anti-nutrient, easy to digest fiber, veggies and fruits. Yeah, I think that's a great thing. I think that, you know, as much as I'm a proponent of a carnivore diet, I, at the end of the day, I think we should find something that works for us uh, overall. And it's not, and it's not a dogmatic, it's not a uh, save the tomatoes for the, for the world type of, type of scenario there. So it's good to see that you've had people improve that. I've seen, you know, we had a guy named Rafi Sertoli on. Uh, he talked about the fact that, you know, initially he was, he actually had a, a, a very significant allergy to shellfish and then he he sort of went on an animal-based diet and saw that actually resolve i've seen people that have had significant challenges with dairy uh, and that's another topic we should talk about more specifically yeah. um and and their lactose intolerance seemed to have improved and so i mean it does seem like once you heal the gut you you may have better capacity to deal with other foods like you might have had 20 or 30 years ago and you've just kind of lost that capacity through years of dietary and lifestyle abuse um, let's talk a little bit about dairy because many, yeah. many people see that dairy can cause adverse effects on skin in particular, whether it's acne or eczema or something like that. And there are different versions of dairy. I know Zach alluded to fermentation and there's, there's some popularity about uh, some people talking about A2 versus A1 milk, you know, goat's milk, sheep milk versus A, you know, A2 cattle. And there's thought about um, even raw milk, which... Again, I know you talk about raw, and we 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 have to recognize that there is a potential inherent infection risk. There are people that do get sick from these things, so I don't think we can just kind of wildly say just eat everything raw. But let me hear your thoughts on dairy in general. Yeah, um, so that's a great question, and, and dairy is one of those super nuanced aspects for the skin health community. Um, what I've seen is most people don't do well on milk of any kind: goat milk, cow milk whether it's you know, from well-sourced cows or not, whether it's local or not, whether it's raw or not, milk tends to be an issue. Um, conversely, butter from goats, kefir from goats, and yogurt from goats seems to be the safest dairy for skin health sufferers. And I would go so far to say is that when someone can eat those foods, they can dramatically help. Um, add easy to digest calories, you know, adding large amounts to butter to um, every meal, it makes the, the macro ratios and the omegas go through the roof in an awesome way. Um, so for those that it works well for, it's awesome. Um, I'd say the percentage is of that, it's going to be like 90% of people that can do good on dairy dairy that have eczema and dermatitis, they won't do good on cow dairy, but they will do good on sheep and goat, focusing on the butter, yogurt, kefir. Um, I myself, um, you asked about, you know, have you had any allergies or do you work with people who have an allergy to something and then it goes away? I myself, five years ago, if I ate goat yogurt or cow milk or any, I flared up like crazy. Um, about six months ago, I did a whole month eating locally sourced raw milk, like a lot of it. And although I didn't feel that great, it didn't do anything to my skin. Um, and since then, I've slowly introduced goat butter and some hard raw goat cheeses um, and some goat yogurt. And 
I felt a huge difference in, in eating those foods as far as um, just calories go in, in terms of enjoyability of the diet and in terms of getting extra fat in my diet, which I'm always kind of trying to do. Um, it's been a, it's been a huge blessing. And uh, I do feel it's improved the quality of my gut health. Um, but I'm obviously one of those people that it works for. So it's, it comes with a caveat. If the dairy works for you, um, it works awesome. And there is a possibility of allergies changing once you've reestablished a healthy gut microbiome um, and kind of gone through a process of transformation. Yeah, I mean, my, my kind of experience with dairy mimicked that fairly closely where I, I drank a fair bit of it when I was younger and didn't really notice any issues until I got older. Uh, I took it out and noticed some, some things kind of clear up that I attributed to dairy and then uh, tried bringing it back and had them flare back up a little bit. Uh, so I just kind of assumed at one point in my life that I was just done with dairy and uh, one of my friends who's much more knowledgeable ferment, about fermentation than I am suggested that I try doing some fermented uh, dairy in small quantities and kind of reintroduce that bacteria and then kind of ease my way back into it. And, and that seemed to work pretty well. Uh, I can't say I'm eating like multiple servings on a daily basis of dairy to really test kind of where my, uh, my dosage I guess dosage context would fall with that, but uh, I'm eating more than I would have in the, in the past when I had cut it out altogether. And uh, so I think the firm, I think there's definitely something to the fermentation side of it and kind of getting that reestablished. Yeah. I, I think that the kind of the two things that I noticed um, one is what you said, fermentation process. And also two, um, the, the enzymes and the alchemy of the food drastically change when you go from milk to fat butter, you know, pure, pure fat. And what I'm seeing is a lot of people aren't having issues with the butter. Um, the issues are coming from the milk or the cheese generally all the time. And like you said, if someone is going to introduce some, some dairy, I think that doing it um, fermented with probiotic, like a yogurt or a kefir starting really slow can make it so that in time you can, you know, have some butter or have a treat here and there without any negative side effects and, and possibly like, like with my, um, with my story, you know, I'm, I'm eating a decent amount of dairy certain days, you know, like I'll have four cups of yogurt and a ton of butter in the same day now. And it's, I wake up the next morning feeling awesome. You know, just like, Oh, I carved up a little bit. Well, you, you kind of alluded to the fact that you'd played some ball, some baseball. And yeah. I mean, my assumption is maybe you still do a little bit of athletic stuff or exercise. Have you noticed either a, a, a net negative or positive since you switched your diet over from more of a plant-based to a more of a meat-based diet? Yeah. I mean, I've been an athlete my entire life. I was a, you know, an all-state football baseball player in high school and played baseball at University of Utah. And after that, played pro fastback softball and intramural sports. And I, I love to bike and climb and, and wrestle and lift weights. I, I love movements, my thing. I just love to be active and, and, and to enjoy my body and to, to kind of push things. And uh, honestly, I don't want to sound like a total douche, but um, eight years on the vegan diet, I, I kind of got to a place where I'm like, wow, like my body just, I'm, I must be getting older. You know, I'm turning 40 in a month. And uh, I just thought, hey, this is my new physique and strength. Um, 
I, 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 in eight years, didn't change my body comp at all as a vegan and moved a lot and lifted a lot. Um, in just over a year and a half on the carnivore diet, like I said, I topped off at, you know, adding 31 pounds of lean muscle to my body without really trying. Um, the strength in the gym has been almost kind of, kind of startling. Um, I do a lot of bench squat pull-ups, deadlifting um, for, my, for my gym workouts. And, and they're very easy exercises to see gains in. Um, you know, when, when you're going up as someone who's been lifting their whole life, when you go up, you know, 25, 30 pounds on your, on your 10 rep bench, that's a lot. I mean, that's a lot in a, a six month year time frame. So I've noticed huge athletic performance enhancements. If, if I was to be, um, going into a portion of my life where I'm going to compete again, I'm, I'd be really excited. And I think it's a really easy diet for me to tweak too. Um, I can eliminate the, the carbohydrate intake and watch my body get super lean without losing any strength at all. Then I can add things like um, raw honey, a little bit of yogurt, um, taking a little more calories, taking a little more carbohydrate and watch my body fill out and get ultra explosive. Um, so yeah, this diet has been really fun in terms of, uh, body comp and athletic performance. It's been awesome. Yeah. 31 pounds is quite a bit for a 40 year old to put on it. And, and so my assumption is, you know, it, you know, you know, as, as a plant-based guy, you may have just depleted your muscle mass down so low that you're that, that, that bouncing back to 30 pounds. Cause, cause I mean, if I were to put on 30 pounds of muscle, any year at my age, you know, I, I, I wouldn't believe it because I think I'd have to be taking a bunch of drugs to do it. But I mean, maybe if I was on a plant-based diet and I had kind of sort of lost some of that, even though there's people who claim you can maintain it, but I, but my, my argument is it's much harder to do so. And I think many people fail to do so despite the, the few examples there are out there of athletes that are bodybuilders that are, that are focusing on that. But I think the average person eating a plant-based diet probably tends to lose some lean muscle mass. And then when you put the, the, the higher quality protein, the meat in, uh, it improves. Is that a fair statement? Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. The first month, I mean, the first month I just looked different, you know, I, I really did. I didn't gain much weight the first month, but like I was saying kind of earlier in the, in the chat, my androgen receptors instantly turned back on. I had uh, trap muscles that I was like, Oh, I have a neck. I forgot that I had a neck. I have neck muscles. Like, honey, come to the mirror, check out. I have, I have neck muscles again. What's this? Um, you know, and, and just, I, I don't, I don't want to be cliche and I also don't want to be much of a vegan basher, but I felt more masculine right away. I felt more masculine and it, it had a correlation. My testosterone as a vegan went up because from standard American to vegan, it was a huge improvement. And then over the eight years, it went drastically down. Um, and I'm someone who naturally just, just kind of carries a lot of testosterone and, and um, my body and my mind, my testosterone's low, I'm off. Testosterone's healthy, I'm great. And it improved rapidly, quickly, noticeably um, within, within two weeks. Yeah, just, uh, I mean, the, the comment on the androgen receptors, because for people that, that may, may, may not understand this, uh, males preferentially more than females will, will express androgen receptors in the shoulders, traps, neck, you know, upper chest area, whereas females tend not to do that as much. And so when you see, uh, you know, 
growth in a male, it's usually, I mean, it's unique to males to have these big, bigger traps and stuff like that. It's also, you know, you also see guys that are taking a lot of exogenous drugs where they see that that fills out more than average. But I mean, when you, you know, when you see people that are, they're very poorly developed in that area, you, you might cons- be concerned about the, the density or the, re- the receptiveness of the androgen receptors in those tissues. And I think I'd point to people Look at the 2018 study that one of our former guests, Stu Phillips, did talking about androgen receptor density and muscle, where it was a, the most important factor, even more so than uh, circulating levels of hormone, whether it's free or bound testosterone or total testosterone. So that androgen receptor comment is appropriate. You know, it's hard to sort of say because you got to biopsy it to, to really know what's going on. But I mean, by proxy, you can say, look, I'm filling out in my, you know, in my shoulders, neck traps. Uh, that that that's a pretty reasonable comment for because I would you know if somebody said hey my androgen receptors are bigger I would say well how the hell do you know that right no and, that, and that's 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 totally true and I think too I I'm 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 like you where I, I need a bit of quantitative science I need some evidence but also I, I think that um, man how I look in the mirror and how my clothes fit tell me everything I need to to know and and I I don't I can't really fit into my old t-shirts at all. Um, you know, the, the sleeves are way too small. I look like I'm borrowing my little brother's shirts. Um, and, and, uh, you know, that tells me, tells me everything, you know, and, and, and the cool thing about it is I wasn't necessarily trying to do that. And I wasn't necessarily trying to, um, have abs while gaining weight. And, and it, it, that was one of those, what were the side effects of the carnivore diet? Well, um, my belly that was lean as a vegan, but had a fermentation pouch at the bottom, totally flattened out and stayed lean as I gained, you know, 31 pounds. That's, that's unheard of. Anyone who is in the athletic realm, bodybuilding, powerlifting, football, baseball, track, you know that once you've worked out for about three years, you're about at your limit. You know, you can, tweak things to the utmost degree and maybe gain two, three pounds of lean muscle in a year once you've hit your limit. But like you said, 31 pounds, that's, that's steroid stuff. Well, the reason that I was able to do that was I was malnourished and my body was operating at about 25% or 30% less than it, than it could be. And it was all diet related. Yeah. I mean, the critics to this would say, particularly those coming from a plant-based would say, well, then obviously you were doing the plant-based diet wrong. You were, I mean, well, I mean, would you say yeah. you're eating a whole food, well-balanced uh, plant food diet or were you eating just a bunch of garbage? Well, you know, I, I think that that's a, that's always a funny argument. And I say, okay, well, what's doing it right? Is Dr. Greger's diet right? Well, mine was cleaner than his. Is Dr. Furman's diet right? Well, Mine was more whole foods than his. I, I didn't eat processed food. I didn't touch anything except whole plant foods for eight years. And I, I think the funny thing and is a bit of a contradiction is from the, that, that argument. Well, you didn't do it right. So that's why you failed. Okay, well, I did it right enough to cure diseases, but I didn't do it right enough to sustain health. Makes no sense. Um, it's not how kinesiology, pathology, and biology work. Um, you know, it's like when you give the body what it needs, it consistently does what it needs to do. Um, and, and so to that argument, I would say it's not 2005 anymore. Um, 80, 10, 10, Doug Graham, um, that whole movement, if you're going to 
be using arguments. Don't use cliche propaganda from that era of arguments. You're doing it wrong. Uh, what I would say to that is, okay, Durian Ryder, go back to 2005. <laughs> when, uh, one of the things that, uh, and, I, and I was just kind of funny, in my email today, I, 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 as, a, as a physician, I always get this medical education stuff. And one of the things that came in today was treatment of the, the guideline, practice guidelines for psoriasis. And, you know, one of the things when I was in medical school, they talked about phototherapy, you know, PUVA or something like that. It's, you know, it's, it's phototherapy of UVA light. Um, do you find with your patients with skin condition, and we had uh, uh, Graham Norbury on yesterday talking about the essentiality of light in just health in general, but do you find that sunlight, sun exposure, in addition to diet, has a, has a, a significant role in, in helping with some of these skin conditions? Yeah, 100%, both, both in the form of vitamin D from nutrients from food and vitamin D from the sun plays a huge role. And, and it's, it's common in our circles, especially in the rosacea circles, avoid the sun at all costs. And it's like vitamin D and, and sunlight is, man, I wish I could go back and change my three most important things, sleep, food, stress management and sunshine, fresh air. Um, it, it's a must. And I see people who negate that and, and they suffer, they change that one thing and it can make a huge difference. I'm not sure though, and, and maybe with, with the question you're alluding to as well, maybe the effectiveness I've seen in my practice over the years of UV treatments, photo, photo treatments with with eczema or dermatitis sufferers. And, and what I've seen is if you're doing the main stuff, the diet and the lifestyle, getting the rest, um, all the other smaller detailed interventions probably help, but they don't, they don't do what the other things do. And sunshine, vitamin D from direct sunlight and, and the good hours of the day with your circadian rhythm will there's no, no even comparison to UV treatment. They're not, they don't even have the same effect at all. Well, and some of that stuff kind of falls just in line with the other principles. Like if you're staying active and getting outdoors, you're going to kind of get it by default too. So it just, when you kind of have the holistic approach set up to begin with, then some of those things kind of take care of themselves. And that's what, what Graham was kind of talking about too. He's like, these systems are super complex, but really they don't have to be in terms of actionable items. If you just kind of do the big things right, you tend to kind of check the boxes on a lot of those small things that are more hard to understand. Yeah, totally. And I, I think that is the confusing part of reductive science in general is that, you know, um, I was asked earlier, is there any other side effects, you know, health healing side effects to the carnivore diet? And, and I think along those lines, um, when, when you, when you address the main issues, um, of a disease or, a, or an illness or just not feeling great, um, in, in a pragmatic general way, the details of those things kind of fall off on their own, um, as you have time under tension with the right behaviors. Um, and I think that for people who are looking for some type of intervention, I think it's really rad to be like, okay. I'm not going to go and do the prick test and the blood test and the allergy test and all of this 
this um, reductive testing and I'm just going to hit things on a general. I'm going to sleep better. I'm going to eat clean. I'm going to move my body daily. And in a month, I'm going to see where I'm at and see what happens. Everyone who does that sees a huge drastic improvement and, and feels a change. Yeah, I mean, it seems intuitive, but I mean, we've got a lot of marketing that tells us that, you know, we should, we should, we should, you know, take, take the Plaquenil or, or not the Plaquenil, but some of these other medications that, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we're, we're told that are the only way to fix this. Um, are you seeing, uh, since you've kind of changed direction, have you seen any pushback from people of the, from the vegan community that, uh, you know, you know, are doing it for what they think are environmental ethical reasons and, and kind of saying that, you know, you're like, I, I, you know, I, I get comments on my video and today I was, you know, I get the, we, we're, we're anxiously waiting for you to die so we can celebrate your death type of thing. Mm -hmm. Are you, are you ever seeing any of that stuff? Yeah, I do. You know, um, if I make a video, like I made a, I made a real lighthearted spoof video about John Rose last week. Um, I, and it was very, PG, very sensitive, very, it, I didn't, I didn't go out of bounds at all. It was just a light, fun video. Um, and man, some of the comments are just so out of balance where it's like, so contradictory in a certain way where it's like, I hate you, you human animal, and I want you to die, but I love all animals. You know, I hate the human animal, but, but the dog down the street that I don't know I got his back, but not yours. Um, and I go so far as to want to hurt you, or I wish you harm. Um, I, I don't understand. I don't understand. <laughs> Call me simple, but I just don't get it. Um, uh, also, I think more so for me, I, I don't. I, I don't get the um, the crazy vegan Nazi world coming after me. I, I do get people saying, like, "Well, you used to be vegan, and you said that worked," and and. Now you're saying the opposite works, like that's contradictory and, and you know, you should be deplatformed and your, your voice means nothing. Um, I get more of that and, and I, I say, okay, that's, that's totally understandable. But I, I think that if you want to have an intelligent conversation or look things in the big picture, um, wouldn't you want someone to be sharing their experience in a natural and honest way? As a vegan, I had some success. And as I had success, I shared that success and I taught people what they wanted to know from those successes I had. When that success dried up and got crappy, I made an adjustment. I was honest about what happened. Um, and now I teach that refinement process and it's, it's a better process. It's a process of growth. It's a process of truth. And so for the people that say I'm a heretic or a contradictory, I say, you know, you can call growth what you want. Um, but in the end, it's, it was awesome. You know, more, more vegans woke up, you know, a lot of vegans that were following me were like, I think they were more like, Oh, oh yes, we get to eat some meat now. Hell yeah. <laughs> so I, I got a lot more of that, you know, ex vegans saying, dude, you saved my life. I was going down the vegan approach because of your videos. And now because of your new videos, I've stopped that vegan approach and I'm doing awesome. And, and so I, luckily I've been getting a lot more of those than, than the hate. Yeah, it is kind of interesting because I think like, I don't think the vegan community is necessarily any, any different than uh, in some of these other communities where there are people, they're just trying to find answers to something and then they, they at some point along the way assume or find out for whatever reason that the, 
vegan way of life is going to be what works for them. And they're not necessarily held to that being their reality for the rest of their life if it doesn't work. But um, we often hear the the vocal minority who's who's kind of made it made it their their uh, their image a bit. So it's interesting to hear from the the side that doesn't speak quite so much. Yeah, I, and I think it's so nuanced, and there, there's so many aspects to the conversation that I think are really interesting. Um, what you brought up is I think about that often, you know, and it, along those same lines, you have people who. Um, are, are a lot of people come to veganism just because they're looking for an intervention to help their health. Um, and they are looking at other people online who anecdotally or non-anecdotally have had the success that they want. And so they become vested and, and it becomes a belief and a desire and something that is important to them. Um, and so I understand the human psyche from that perspective. If I'm vegan and, and I believe that this is going to heal me and the people I follow are telling me this is working and I'm seeing their great results. And then some jerk tells me that, no, the opposite's true. Veganism almost killed me and eating meat is my salvation. I think it's totally natural to, to question it. I, I, I think my inquiry comes to the place of if you are vegan and you're vegan because of morality and in the belief system, cool, man. I, I don't have any issue with you. I also don't have any issue with you. If you believe that veganism is the healthiest diet and that's the way you're going to, to go about it. I think where I start to have data debates is when vegans try to say that their diet is more moral than mine, or even worse, more environmentally sustainable than my diet. Um, my diet comes from almost all local animals at this point. Um, there's no trucks that bring me my food anymore. I, I drive my, my Hyundai or my van down to my farm and I get my food and I drive home and eat it. Um, so I think that the, the conversation is, is really interesting. And I love to have conversations and debate with any humans about food and what it does to us and how it feels and what we can do with it. Um, I have no interest in debating um, who's more moral. Um, I just don't care. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you should maybe separate politics and religion out of food. But, uh, you know, there's some people, I mean, like I said, there, there, it is a minority, clearly, of people that are uh, uh, very uh, passionate about what they do, and they don't care if they wish harm to other people. It's, it's kind of sad to see that. Um, what, what else, any, any other information uh, you'd like to share, uh, Rob, with, with, with stuff you've learned over the last several years, whether it's plant-based or animal-based, um, and then if nothing else, let's, let's let people know where they can find you. Yeah, for sure. You know, I got to be honest. I think that uh, the basics um, and, and simplicity and minimalism is going to win out. Um, I, I want to just speak directly to people who are suffering with some physical element. I obviously focus on skin disease, but if you're out there and you have arthritis or you're obese or you have a IBS or brain fog, whatever, um, a carnivore approach, a bioavailable diet can, can make a huge difference in your life. And, and the biggest advice I have is start simple and be easy on yourself. What I see with my clients is that people will jump into a carnivore diet and if they don't get it after a week, you know, they're pissed, they're angry, and then they self-sabotage. Um, 
you can jump in with two feet, but you can also start slowly. You can start just adding the healthy foods in and eating more and more of them over time and ending up as a carnivore. Or you can jump, jump in with both feet. Um, the most important thing is to be aware of how you're feeling, make the refinements that you need as a human being and, and eat the foods that you need. Um, and maybe don't be too obsessed with a belief system. Um, kind of rambling, but really it's just basic stuff. Um, where people can find me, you know, two main places, um, holistichealthactivation.com. That's my website. Um, I have some eBooks, some real basic stuff, but the majority of what you'll find there is my coaching practice where I, I work with people in usually six month blocks um, on a one-to-one -one basis, um, focusing on behavior, psychology, diet, nutrition, cleansing and detoxification to help people heal their skin. So holistichealthactivation.com is where you can find me there. And on YouTube, um, that's, I'm, I'm loading up videos two to three every week. Um, got over 800 videos out right now. Um, just Google me, Rob Stewart, R-O-B-S-T-U-A-R-T. Um, that's my handle on uh, YouTube too, YouTube forward slash C forward slash R-O-B-S-T-U-A-R-T. Um, Instagram, Stuart, Rob Stewart. Um, and other than that, thanks a lot for having me on the show, you guys. Um, super appreciate, love what you guys are doing and um, all the best to both of you guys. Yeah, Rob, thanks a bunch for taking some time and coming on. We'll be sure to link those uh, sites and handles to the show notes so our listeners can come check out what you're up to. Awesome, you guys. Enjoy the rest of your day and uh, um, have fun with your, your meat and fat out there, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> all right, thanks. I got I to gotta go run up to the airport. I'm going to, I'm going to,